What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover all the innovation happening across the Bitcoin ecosystem. I am your humble host, Jacob Brown, but you'll see me around as Jake Blockchain. And today I have a fantastic interview with Larry Salibra. So if you don't know Larry, he's been in the Stacks ecosystem for a while. He is the CEO and founder of New Internet Labs, which is pushing for a new user-owned internet, which is focused around decentralizing parts of that stack is kind of the biggest piece. So he had a heavy influence on BNS name system that exists on Stacks. And more recently, I saw him do some interesting things regarding Noster. So I want to get him on to talk about some of these things, which I definitely haven't covered in any depth on this podcast, and I think it's time to. So we talk about his background as a tech entrepreneur, how he got into Bitcoin, and some thoughts around decentralized identities and names, censorship resistance, BNS, and maybe most importantly, Noster. I was very interested about this new product and protocol that I haven't really given it a shot yet, but everyone keeps talking about. So without further ado, let me get out of the way and bring you this excellent episode with the founder of New Internet Labs, Larry Salibra. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Larry, how you doing, Nima, man? I'm great. Awesome to talk with you, Jake. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you on. This is a, I've seen you around the, the stack circles since the beginning, but I haven't touched on DIDs much. It's, it's kind of a topic that people are aware of. You know, ENS, BNS, and Noster has clearly made this a, a topic over the past few months, but I haven't really had anybody deep dive into it. I don't really know what it means per se. I can kind of what the, what the words mean. So I'm excited yeah. for this one. Um, but to kind of start, I love the way that crypto and Bitcoin, it brings up people from so many backgrounds for so many different reasons, you know, financial censorship, something else. So I'm curious, what, what is your fascination with Bitcoin or crypto, which you, you, you like more and, uh, what, what kind of attracted you to this? Um, I think, I think a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, so I've been, I think I first heard about Bitcoin in 2011, but I like, I think I immediately wrote it off as like, that's never going to work. It's a scam. Um, I recall at some point downloading Bitcoin core to my Mac and it didn't, and it didn't run like, or I didn't think it was working. So I just like, this is stupid. Um, but I really got sort of hardcore into it. I think in 2000, uh, later 2012, 2013. And for me, I remember the really the aha moment was, well, there are a couple, a couple of things. One of them, the aha moment for me was like, oh, this is going to separate the, the state from its control of money, which can like make a lot of things better. But on a more practical note, I was running a business where I was doing cloud sourced, uh, uh, I'd be like out cloud sourced software testing. And so that meant I had like 50,000 testers around the world, like that were just like, sort of like customers would say, Hey, I'll pay you this much money per bug you find. And then they would go like help them test. It was like some more of more exploratory testing, but long story short, I had to pay people every month 
most people were in the Philippines and India. And so like, uh, I forget, uh, one of the options we had is PayPal. And I think around that time, like India got into a fight with PayPal and like, or as I said, like, or like you can't use PayPal in India for a period of time. Anyway, there's some sort of like payment issue. I had people that like, for some reason, couldn't get paid by PayPal. And I saw, I was like, oh, wow, I could just like pay them with Bitcoin. Because at the time it was like, it was like a small amount of money, you know, maybe it was like $50 or something like that. It wasn't like you wouldn't want to make a wire transfer and often these people wouldn't be able to receive them. Um, but like Bitcoin, Bitcoin fees were nothing back then. That was like, I could say like, well, you know, I'm sorry, the other way didn't work, but I can pay you in Bitcoin. Like, and, and that made the, a couple of people that couldn't receive payments very happy. Um, so I was interested in the, in the, the money and payments, but then I like quickly, like, like, I guess I'm not, a, I mean, I live in a finance city in Hong Kong where everybody's like in finance and they spend every day, like securitizing things and like, I don't know, you know, whatever they do, like Excel spreadsheets. So I'm not like really a finance person. And so I don't really like, if I wanted to work in finance, I would go work for one of the banks that are outside. So I like quickly, was like, okay, this is really cool. I hope this works, but what other cool stuff can we do with it? I quickly saw, oh, like, well, Satoshi said the first interesting thing is names, names on, on top of, uh, on top of, uh, sort of something like Bitcoin. Um, and I think I looked at the name coin project and it was like pretty, it's pretty rough. Like. <laughs> It was like pretty, like, it looked like it was like a, you know, a, a computer science academic department, like sort of like hacked together over beers on the weekend sort of thing. And I was like, okay, well, it's kind of interesting. But then fast forward at some point on Hacker News, I saw um, uh, Ryan and Maneeb launched uh, what was called One Name, which was basically like a really nice, like front end on, on Namecoin. And like, it, it had like the business case was like a Bitcoin white pages. Like you look up people by their name and send them Bitcoin, you get a Bitcoin wallet. It was actually one of the first like things in Bitcoin that was like really nice. Like, like they had like, it looked really nice. It worked really well. It was onboarding process. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like these guys are thinking the way I'm thinking. And then I reached out to, to them and like Ryan replied and I like met up with him in, in New York for breakfast, I think quickly after that. And uh, yeah, I was just like a really enthusiastic community member from like almost when they launched. And then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to just keep, keep rambling, but like, that's, that's how I got into it. Like, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin and quickly into other things. But like, at the same time, I just found a bunch of other Bitcoiners here in Hong Kong. Um, and a friend, someone who became a friend, like pulled me out. Like I was, we had a Facebook group going on and he's like, Hey, we're meeting up by like the pier. Like, you should come out and see these other people that you're chatting with. Um, and so I kind of get in that group was like, I think like Arthur Hayes was there and then like a BitMax, like a bunch of other people that have gone on to do various things. He was like, yeah, I think we should really start like a Bitcoin association in Hong Kong. Um, and so we started, started that process and we like built a community here. One of the biggest meetup groups, and, you know, had, had conferences, like lots of all the stuff's history. And many of those people went on to do very exciting things in the space. Very cool. Yeah. We, like, you covered a lot there. It's super interesting. Um, the yeah the mechanical turk style kind of like crowdsource thing is is interesting um mm. i'm sure you wish there was lightning back then and make it a, a hell of a lot easier to get those those payments sent out or or maybe not it sounds like is it is lightning no it was i mean if you think about it like from a developer product company integration perspective it was so easy to add bitcoin support all i had to do was just add like one field they just had to fill in their bitcoin address and click save and then I can just send them Bitcoin, no interaction needed. But like, if I had to ask them to use lightning, like 
I mean, it would be interactive, right? So they'd have to like send me an invoice. They'd have to be a way for them to generate, like they'd have to, you know, they'd have to like generate the whole process on the website. So they'd have to be like, okay, well you have like one Bitcoin. Well, it would have been one Bitcoin back then, but one Bitcoin is owed to you, right? You have to withdraw it now, right? And then so you'd click on like, you'd like have a space to put your invoice in. You'd have to go to your lightning node, generate an invoice, paste it into my website. And then my website, and lightning node would have to process it then. So like, I have to run a whole bunch of servers. Like, like Bitcoin is so much more elegant, right? Cause it's totally asynchronous. Like all I need is one line of like, like characters. And then I can just send the Bitcoin transactions. I, I would actually just like print it off as like a, on paper, I think, and go through it or not paper, but like a, you know, like a spreadsheet. I think I just dumped it as like a CSV. And I would just go through manual my wallet and send it out to Bitcoin to each people. But with yeah. lightning, it would have been so much more complicated. Not, not, I think like lightning is, would have been great if like, we were talking about like millions of people using lightning and like, you know, trying to minimize fees. But at that, at that time when fees were nothing and like, it was a new thing, it was super easy. Got it. Okay. Um, can you place me on the, the time, time when Namecoin was out and then when name, one name also came out? I don't know exactly when Namecoin started. I mean, I know it was the first, it was the first altcoin, the first, it was a fork of Bitcoin with some functionality added. I, I mean, I would just be making up numbers. It was the time before my time in Bitcoin. Um, and I believe, I believe uh, um, one name, uh, I think they're working on it in the fall of 2013. And I think it launched early in 2014. Okay. Was my recollection of time frame. Okay, so Namecoin pre-2013. Got it. Part of the reason why I ask is, is one for historical references because I just don't I don't know these things. But you mentioned that one name was one of the first examples of like a, a almost like a product focused crypto thing, which especially mm -hmm. early it seemed like you had to be a hacker dev kind of guy to do anything with Bitcoin, and even to this day I, I'd say that's still largely a, a big issue outside of the centralized exchanges where like onboarding and a lot of these processes are. Once you once you do it once, it's kind of easy to grok, and you can move those over to other wallets and stuff. But for the average person, it's still very very hard to grok uh, crypto. So, absolutely, um, I think there's a general problem. Like, um, and I just noticed this again this past weekend. Is that like there's um, there are people that are like developers and are very good engineers, and like, but like the really really technically smart engineers, they kind of wanted to do the technically complicated things. They don't want to do, but like, but like the technically complicated things are actually the easy things. Like, it's just like math, right? You can, you can do it, right? But like the front end stuff, which they're not attracted to is more like, like art, art, right? Like you need to figure out, so you need to think, you need to put your feet in the, the user's shoes and you need to think about like, okay, I'm coming in from this and I have no idea. Like I'm not a developer, I'm not a Bitcoiner. Like, how do I make how do how do I make an interface that like makes sense to these people? And like, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I mean, Ryan for sure had that sense, and you could tell. And there are there are people we have now in the ecosystem, like um, like Ken at Xverse. He's a really awesome product guy because he's able to like put um, himself in the user's shoes and say, okay, how can we make this great for users? Whereas like the really like quote unquote hardcore hackers, they like they aren't really interested in that. So they like, they're interested in technical complexity. And so they, as soon as they have to learn something about how do I make the front end look really nice? And like, how do I make it easy for you to use? Or like, oh, I'm not interested in that. And the reason, and I think that they'll, I mean, I'm just, I'm, 
imagining why people don't don't like this. I think it's because maybe they're not people person, people, people. And it's very easy to like, oh, I just changed some CSS or you make some pictures or like you write some words. Um, and yeah, technically that's not that hard, but like the hard part is figuring out well, like which CSS to put and like which words to write and which things to draw because that requires understanding other people. And like, that's hard because there's no right answer, right? You can just like, it's just, it's intuition and taste and gut. Yeah, I, I can imagine too, the the feedback loop of programming proper is very quick and clear. And the feedback loop of product design is much more nuanced. I saw, I saw a meme yesterday where it's like, uh, you know, doing UX research and it's like, it's going to work great. They'll, they'll, it'll be super easy. And then it shows like a picture of a guy and he's like, the chair is upside down. And he's like standing on it all awkward. And it's like, no, you just, you just put the four legs on the ground and sit on it with your butt, but they'll figure yeah. out a way to break it in the worst way just because people just do some weird shit. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that makes me think of like my second grade, like elementary school class. They gave us a homework assignment once where it was like, you have to write a paper on like, like how to make a peanut butter sandwich. And like, and then most people were just like, you just take out the peanut butter and like the jelly and you put it on the sandwich. And then like, the teacher's like, okay, you have to like, we actually had to make them the next day. And like, people were like, well, you didn't, you didn't say open the, open the top. You said, just take the peanut butter and put it on the, the bread. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You got to make it idiot proof 100%. Okay. Absolutely. Well, then, through that, then I think one of the big things that we hope DIDs do, decentralized identities, is that we make, you know, sending to and fro dead simple because I can see, you know, jakeblockchain.btc. Uh, so discovery is much more easier. Uh, and you have that trust in that. But maybe just to take a step back. Can you just, in your own words, can you tell me what, what is a decentralized identity? What are kind of the components of that? Um, well, so when I think about, I don't, I guess I don't think about decentralized identity in those terms, like with those specific words a lot. Um, I, when I see DID, I think specifically of the W3C, uh, initiative, um, which came out of the decentralized identity foundation, which, what is now hero PBC previously Blockstack PBC was a co-founding organization of, and that's a relatively complicated standard that like I don't think as of now hasn't really got a ton of adoption. So I really associate like like those that word with that specific standard. I think more in generally of names and names for identities and names for I mean names are basically identities and they can point at people, they can point at things. So I think uh like and when it comes to being decentralized, that's more like who owns it and who controls it. And I think we by decentralized we mean like names that we control like the like custodial names. Like I custody my own name. I don't have a name that's like rented from a U.S. government corporation or one of their contractors. So that's how I think about. It. I don't. I don't think specifically about DIDs as like. Like when I see people talk about DIDs, I think they're talking about that. And so maybe I may be confused. Got um, it. Yeah. Okay, and that's kind of what I'm wondering because the way that you're framing names, um, it sounds like you would. You could also put email addresses and things in that same bucket, or would you, would you separate them? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's all, I mean, they're all names. They're all names. I think they're, they're all very interesting. Um, I think the email address in particular, like the whole user at domain thing, like that's a, that's something from a standard called the internet identifier. And there's like a, there's an RFC for that. 
and that's actually what Lightning uses for Lightning addresses. Um, that we're gonna, I know we're gonna talk about Nostr later, but that's what the the NIP05 uses for um, for their identity thing. And that's interesting because it was designed like in sort of like a like a, a way where like the user is owned by the domain, like like you're given your name at the pleasure of the domain. So if you're if you're Larry at gmail.com, right? Like, like you're renting Larry from Gmail, they own you, which makes a lot of sense for, for, um, things that require servers like email. Like, I mean, like, like my, uh, my name only is like controlled by the email server, right? That's what it's talking to, but it doesn't really make so, so much sense when it comes to things like lightning or Bitcoin or or stacks or whatever, because they're custodial. Like I own the name, I'm not at anywhere else. Like I am Larry, I'm not Larry at like big corporation. Um, so I think, uh, does that make sense? It does. I'm just thinking it, it, it's cool to get into the nuance of this. Cause you do see kind of like your thoughts of it versus like my pulse of the culture of it. And mm. the way I word it is like some people, not the Bitcoin masses per se, but the Bitcoin purists will, will view it as like. Bitcoin is separation money of state, so we need it mm -hmm. as fast as possible. It's like this panacea of the future of how we're going to spend currency full stop. Mm -hmm. Not, and the, op the, the other new, more nuanced tape would be like, you know, Bitcoin could be collateral, move into fiat when you need it. They inter intermingle and coexist for a long time to come. And mm -hmm. uh, the DID people that I see treat it like that same panacea where it's like, this is uncorruptible ID. This is, this is me online. And if we don't have that, crypto is going to fail kind of thing. Like email, email is a tornado cash-ish way to stop us. So we need the IDs. I see it as that. It's like there's nuance of it, which is kind of your take is how I view it, versus like the full stoppers are like, we need the IDs because this is, it's a natural extension of Bitcoin's ethos put to identity. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think we need them as well. I mean, like, and I wouldn't say, I guess I'm, I'm just sort of like rambling on about internet standards, the way people like people normally talk versus what I, what I interpret when they talk, but I think it's, I think it's definitely needed. So there was an interesting debate between Blue Matt Corello and who's one, a well-known Bitcoin dev and I think a bunch of lightning people. And he was sort of like, and I share his opinion, which is that the whole LN URL address thing is ridiculous because they're taking supposedly censorship resistant money and adding a bunch of layers of censorship and trust in it. And that's exactly the thing that which, you know, if you want to call a DID or like a decentralized name solves, right? Like if you're, if I'm sending you censorship resistant money that like in a transaction that's supposed to be trustless by putting trust in the name to address mapping like where I have to trust that some name is giving me the right address, then I'm like totally corrupting the whole thing. Like what problem am I solving? I'm going to just trust, like you're essentially asking the U.S. government, like whose lightning node should I be sending this? Like, should I be asking for an invoice? And then you just like, you're like, the U.S. government, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll tell you this node. You have no idea if it's the right node or not. Like, why would you do that? If you want to transact to the U.S. government, we had SVB. Now we have like JP Morgan Chase, right? I think that like, I think I, I'm a pretty, I think I'm pretty maximalist on like decentralizing, like centralization and like reducing trust. Like it's just, it's important to think about what problem we're solving. Like we already have PayPal, like 
it, it's silly to go like, for example, like things like strike where they're like, well, lightning is really hard. I'm, I'm not, I feel like I'm, I'm criticizing lightning a lot here. I love lightning. I travel with my lightning node, but like every time I run into a lightning problem, the, the things that I hear from the lightning people are usually like, well, you should use this other wallet, which is like actually sort of centralized custodial, or you should use this protocol, which has all of these trusted things in it. And I'm like, okay, well, if I wanted to use Strike, I would just use PayPal, right? Because PayPal and Strike are the exact same thing, except one has, says the word sats after the number in the database, and the other one has the word um, USD, right? Like, it's not like, it's not exciting that you can like make a centralized database and name it sats and turn and go around. What would be exciting is if we can get lighting to the point where it's like actually really user-friendly and like actually works like all the time instead of requires people who either work for the company or like run a bunch of DevOps to do it. Well said. Uh, I'm curious of your take on w what is the current landscape of, of, I'm using DIDs again, but you can, you can, you can take it how you, how you want. But what is the sure. current landscape of people who, like, where is it being done the best, in your opinion? So, like, I've, you said, you mentioned W3C, I've seen Web5, mm -hmm. something called Ion, you have BNS, mm -hmm. um, URL. These are the ones we've mentioned so far on the call. Um, out of all the things that are currently being worked on and out there, what has the best like balance of the most things? Where do these kind of things stack currently in the landscape? I think it's uh, it's really really hard to say which one is the best thing. I think if you're looking at like creating a decentralized social media network. I think Nostra right now is, has made the most progress. And the reason I, the reason I bring that up is because the, the web quote unquote web five stuff, my understanding is that's what they're trying to do the same with blue sky. But as far as I know, no, like web five is not ready yet. And like web five isn't going on since it comes out of the decentralized identity foundation, which we were originally involved with. And that's like 2015, I think. And like, it's still not, it doesn't seem like it's done. So it's, it seems very complicated. And as far as I know, like it hasn't, it doesn't have any users. So like that's off the list. And then there's blue sky, which I saw an email about, they have like a waitlisted app. I don't know if anybody is using this either I have to try it out yet. There's something on Ethereum called, I think it was, it was called Farcaster, but I think it just renamed Warpcaster now maybe. That seems to have a lot of users. And I'm not really deep into the Ethereum space. I did ask for like an invite, but like, I'm kind of confused because like, if someone is handing out invites that I can only get on through like a Twitter DM, then like, how is this decentralized? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand what was happening when I was signing on. It was asking for me to like sign things with MetaMask and uh, after I already provided an email address, it was just really confusing what was going on. But I think that's a, to me, it's a lot of like Ethereum. So I think Nostra gets it like, and they have people using public private key cryptography as identity where they haven't really figured it out yet is um how to have names like identities that people own basically they made this beautiful like social decentralized social network and then said like oh yeah we want names it would be better if we had like some names so we know who is who but like let's just use the government name system like to do that and it's like well what problem are you solving guys like the problem was that you didn't like when when people were able to take away identities and now you just moved to identity system where like they literally, the FBI is like, you know, every time, every week they're seizing domain names left and right. So why would you do that? <laughs> but that comes from a bunch of cultural issues in their, in their community. So I think that they're, they're very interesting. No, okay. I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential there. And, uh, you know, once we work around some of the, the 
Bitcoin fundamentalist culture in the, in the space, I think, I think we'll be able to bring in a lot more people and make it really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. I also tried Farcaster, or at least I got an invite via the DMs. Didn't completely set it up because I got, because I got confused as well. I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm downloading some app on my computer. I'm not doing this. Um, Although I will say, I think Zion might be the first Web5 app that's using the Web5 standard that just launched a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? Okay. Might be, might be something to check out. Yeah, they had a V1. They didn't have it. I think V2 just launched and it does. They're the first to use it. They've been, they've been, they've been hyping that up. Let me jump into Nostra then, because Nostra has been, it's been all in the news the past few months. All the Bitcoiners are loving it. Uh, some people are saying it's like a paradigm shift in uh, like internet how we communicate and it, it mm-hmm. could be that it, it could the way it's constructed could be a, a, a foundational layer for the next wave of whatever we build on top of that can you give me the brief overview of what is nostr uh, nostr is a very simple protocol that allows it basically allows clients to subscribe to other accounts so you can say like hey i want to know all the events that account a publishes and then what it does is instead of connecting to one server it connects to like potentially a dozen different different sort of semi servers that are called relays and it asks the relay it says hey relay i want to know everything you know about account a please tell me when you get an event about that and then account a can then publish their events to one or more relays and these events will get distributed and then they'll sort of eventually find me like so i'll eventually be told like oh Account A, he posted a news update, he, he updated his profile, he sent a DM to you, like this sort of thing. The protocol is very simple. It lets you move the logic that you usually have to put in like the Twitter application server and like move all of that logic to the client. So it's running either in the web browser or running on an app on your phone. And by doing that and making the relay, which is essentially the server really dumb and have no logic in it, that means anybody can run a relay and you can use any relay and you can potentially use many relays which sort of removes the stranglehold on having someone, one, be responsible for what everybody says, and two, being in a position to decide if what you say is appropriate or not. Because in this sort of architecture, one relay could say, hey, you know, we don't want to have anything that's like against the Catholic Church because they're believers, right? And then they could censor everything that's like blasphemous. But it wouldn't matter because, you know, you're connecting to a whole bunch of different other relays. And one of those relays would probably let your message through. Does that make sense? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna spit it back just to make sure I get it. So in in the kind of web two ish world, you just have a central server or servers, mm-hmm. and you just pull it down, and the, and they're the source of truth. In Nostra, you almost have like a peer to peer. I guess you could, I'm thinking of like BitTorrent, where you're just like getting you connect to a bunch of nodes, and you're just collecting what is true about whatever that public key says, and it's just pulling from whatever's whatever you can get nearby and push it into your local client. Uh, sort of, I guess I'm trying to think of a better way to explain this. I don't explain Nostr very often. What about like, imagine like a, like a bulletin board, like a physical in the, in like meat space bulletin board where you like post, you know, you're like at a university or school where you like use a stapler and like staple a message on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen those? Like, so imagine like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like maybe your community has like a hundred different bulletin boards, like flyers, right. For like a concert or something like that. You don't put them up on the wall. So like what you could do is you could, it's like, you could think of Nostra, you could think of like the relays as like a bulletin board uh, where like anybody can like staple things up there. And like, and so when you want to make a message, you just go run around to all hundred bulletin boards and you like staple up your flyer, right? 
you know, maybe like three people will like on three of the bulletin boards, someone will rip it down or like put something over it. But as long as people can find one bulletin board, they can see what you said. So it's sort of like that, except the difference is, is that like the bulletin board tells you when there's a, like a flyer on it, that's like something that you're interested in. Got so it's it. not peer to peer because the peers aren't talking directly to each other, but there's like this bulletin board in the middle where anybody can post to it. And then like anybody can subscribe to it and like get all of the interesting things they're interested in. Okay. And, and I, as a Nostra user, choose the bulletin board that I want to pay attention to. And that's the relay, which is the bulletin board, right? Yeah, like there's there's a lot that's theoretically yes, but the way the way in practice it works right now is that you choose a client to use Noster, and then that client just has like a bunch of relays it uses by default, and you can like add different ones and you can sort of manage it, but there, it's not really a hundred percent clear like how much users are going to know about that. And the way that works is that if I were to send a message on Noster, I would also in that message like say say it's a tweet, right? If I'm making a tweet on Noster, in that message there'd be some data about like what are the relays that I usually use so that way when someone gets that message they could also be like oh not only does like larry use relay a he also uses relay b c and d maybe i'll just also watch relays b c and d that way for some reason larry stops appearing on, on relay a i could also get the information from b c and d so it's not really clear how much like i think it sort of makes sense as a technical user but as a product person i think about this and that's one of the questions i have is like how are how are users going to know how are users going to deal with relays? Like, how are they going to know, I know I need more relays or I need to pay a relay or I need to like, like it's not working because of the relay. And that's like, a so as a product person, I think I'm like, that's a question I have about Noster. I think it's a, 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 to this point, it's sort of like, hasn't really been that big of a problem, but like it's definitely a problem waiting to happen. Yeah. As, as it scales, I can definitely imagine. Is the, is the way that it's constructed, I'm just imagining like, because of the relay construction, you could get these weird silos of information. And I've seen small, small pockets of this where you get like mm -hmm. your follower account is different across different people's whatever. And I think part of that's mm -hmm. because different relays see different things. So there's different truths, if you will, that we don't really have that issue in web two because of the centralized nature of that. So absolutely. One, one is that correct? But then two, is that something that as the scales, is that something that's just going to be a problem or it's solved at the relay level or curious about that? Well, I mean, it's just a protocol. And so there's no, it's not like Bitcoin where there's like global state, like there's no way you can ever know like the set of all Nostra relays. Like I could be running a Nostra relay right here, like, you know, in my apartment just for me and whoever's here, but you'd never know about that. Like, uh, and a relay doesn't have to tell you if someone's following you. I think there's a feature that allows that, but it doesn't have to, like, they could lie, right? So there's just no way, there's no way you could ever know. I mean, if you ask like, someone really famous. I, don't, I just went to the Blackpink concert a couple couple weeks ago. Like, I don't know if you know Blackpink. Um, but like, so they call their fans Blinks. And if you, ask, if you ask them, like, how many fans do you have in the world? They have no idea, right? I mean, maybe they have a website for their really hardcore fans and they register. But like other people that are fans that like, you know, are like closet fans or like, don't, you, like, you never know how many fans you have. Like, it's just like a fact of life. And I think in Web 2.0, you can look and hey, say I have like, I have like, you know, this many followers, but do you really have that many followers? I mean, like people can look at, can look at your tweets without logging in, right? They may just like, like you so much. They go to like your Twitter on the website, like, you know, every day to read your tweets, but they never like create an account. So I think it's just like, I think it's just like a matter, it's more a matter of like user expectations 
they've gotten really, we've as users gotten used to like seeing this like hard metric and just taking it as meaning being like a real number, but like, what does it really mean? It doesn't really mean, it just means that like, that like a hundred people have clicked the button to follow me on Twitter. That's why I have a hundred followers, but like, it doesn't really mean I actually have a hundred followers. Um, Got it. I think it's just willing to change your expectations. Okay. One more question on Noster broadly is, is it all, is the protocol public by nature? So I think I saw something where I could type in someone to PubKey and I could see their feed, which was, I know when I first did that with a BNS name where I could see their wallet, I was like, this feels dirty for some reason. Like it's very private. Yeah. Um, is that how the protocol is constructed where it's not just, I could see your feed as far as like the tweets you post, but I can see what you see in your view if I type in your public feed. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's just a public, I mean, yeah, that's just how it's designed. And I think, uh, I mean, it feels, it feels weird, but it's not, not really that much different than web two. I mean, the difference is, is the only people that can see, I mean, you can see your, like, if you think about it, if you go to Twitter, if you take Twitter as an example, like I can go look at Twitter and see who you follow, right? Like, and then I can click on, I can put in your profile, I can click on who you follow, I can see who you follow. And, you know, maybe you follow 50 people and I can use the API to create a feed of those 50 people. It's not like. It's just that Twitter has chosen not to make that easy, but like all the information that we have, that we need to do that is already there. Like it's already on the internet. Like you could make, you could use the, if you didn't have an API, you could scrape the Twitter website and do this today. Got it. I think that people okay. just, people just don't do it. But like things like GitHub do it though. Like GitHub has a little function, I don't know if you've seen it, where you can click like, you can have an organization, you can click like view as public or view as a certain user. That way you can see like, if I'm using this user, how does it look? Um, like for example, the stacks, the stacks form has that feature as well too, right? I like as an admin, I can just click like view as wherever and see, see yeah, what people I mean, see. Okay. Yeah. So, so just like Bitcoin, it's like, it feels weird to have your transactions on the public ledger per se, but there's nothing stopping, you know, your bank from doing that if they want to make it a feature, it's just a, a design decision at some choice. Absolutely. I think, and it didn't, didn't Vemo like cho choose to make these things public? Wasn't that one right. of their interesting? Yeah. Things? You, yeah. You, you could, you could snoop on your friends and see that they're, you know, going to Chipotle or McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I think it's, I think it's good in that, like, um, it's good to sort of like, it's, it's, as I don't know, it's generating outrage, but like to make people know what they're sharing. Um, if you don't want people to, to have this information, you should either one, don't put it on the internet. Or two, you should like use like cryptography to like encrypt it so that other people can't see it. And so that's sort of like, that's what's happening. I mean, it's the same thing with, with Noster DMs. There are DMs that are in and encrypted, but you can see the metadata is not encrypted. So like I could see that you're, anybody in the world could see that you're DMing me on like Noster, but they just can't read what the message is. Got it. Okay. Interesting. And then... On the Nostra point, you built something and you kind of got roasted on Twitter for a little bit about it. Um, what did you add to, to Nostra? What, what is this uh, 16.9 as it's called? What, what are you building? Yeah, and, and NIP 69, I mean, I'm calling it Nostra names. And so like for those that are familiar, like the way Nostra works is you get like a public key that's sort of like a Bitcoin address. That's your identity. And then you have a private key, which is like the password for how you like log, you, how, you, how you prove to to um to Noster that you are you like if you want to post something you have to sign it with the private key 
but like the public key is how other people follow you. So if I want to follow you, I need to know your public key, which like a Bitcoin address is this long list of letters. It is not like I couldn't read. If you asked me to like tell everybody to follow me in Nostra, I'd say like, oh, well, follow in pub eight, three, like nobody would want to listen to this. It would be, it would be like two minutes of me talking. Um, so, so this is like, um, really obvious user problem. And I had a friend, um, a friend that works at, uh, works in lightning that bothered me for the past year to like, Hey, you should look at Nostra. It's really cool, but they really need names. And then like when the second friend that I knew started also to asking me to look at Nostra, I was like, okay, maybe I should finally look at this protocol and see what's going on. And so what I did was I made it so that you can use really any names. You can use DNS names, any names with Nostr, but I made a specific implementation for DNS so that you could use .btc names in Nostr. I made a, a NIP69, which is a proposal of how to do that. And then I implemented it in the fork of the Damus client. And I've also done it in the Iris web client. I actually haven't announced that yet for, for various reasons, but obviously people in this podcast will now, now know that. Part of the reason is I've simplified the protocol and I wanted to simplify it both places before I get people using it. But the reason, um, there are a couple of reasons I think that I was roasted. One was because at the time, the Damus client, which is iOS, was in test flight and the test flight was full. So it had 10,000 users and no one else could use it. And William was getting denied by Apple. He was trying to publish in the app store and they were like rejected, rejected over and over. And so I, like, he saw that I was pushing a fork of it to test flight. And I think he jumped to conclusions that I'm like going to take his name and try to like have like a separate Damas and compete with him with like the same name, which like was never, never the intention because like one, I like, I'm a software developer who like entrepreneur that's built products. I know that like, there's a massive amount of work on that. Like two, like he has a huge network effect and three, like I totally respect the guy. And like, I mean, there's no way I can compete with him. He's the one that, that created this, created this genius product. But then at the same time, there was a, there's a, there's the, like a few people that run these paid services based on the existing entity standard. And they were very, they were very threatened by my proposal. Like when I first put it out, like the, the, one of the gentlemen was just writing these like mouse, massive multi-paragraph, like things about how like. BNS is totally centralized and his thing that runs on government domain names is totally not centralized, despite the fact that it runs on his server in his basement. Like, like it was, it's really, it was really funny. And he sort of egged them on and the rest of the community was just like, well, they don't really, they're either not technical or just didn't, you know, people don't look into things or just like, well, I, I respect this person and that person and they hate Larry. So like Larry must be horrible. So everybody just piled on for like a, a week or two. I got uninvited from a, a, a conference I'm going to next week. I was supposed to be speaking oh, about Noster, but then when the local, uh, my friend Dominic, who's been running Bitcoin Vietnam for years, a great guy, like he's one of the co-organizers. He's like, yeah, Larry. Yeah. So, so can you just like, um, tell me what, like, you know, what's your name and title? I'll just want to, just want to update the conference organizers. And they're like, he's like, Larry, what did you do? They told, they came back to me and were like, we don't want this person to speak. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure that like, it's just, it's, I'm going to go there anyway and just talk to people yeah. in person. Um, but there's a lot of tribalism, uh, especially, uh, especially in Noster. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. The, the, the dogmatism of crypto strikes again. People want to use this. What's the easiest way to, to try it out? Uh, you can go to newinternetlabs.com. Uh, so newinternetlabs.com slash Noster. That's N-O-S-T-R. And there's a place where they can get the test flight link and they can try out with their 
.ptc name. I'll update that once I um, sort of officially announce the the web iris fork. Um, but that's uh, that's what they can try it out now. I've got some things a little bit medium term that will come out with that. I think that what I really want to do is I want to get as many I want to get like as many communities into Nostra as possible. And I think that's like, I mean, if you look at the founder of Fiat Jeff, like I think it's one of the things he wants to do like as well too. He wants different communities to use Nostra, not just like, I don't think anybody, well, I mean, I think some people do. Some people want it to be just Bitcoin maximalists that like uh, hate everybody else. But I think uh, I think for Nostra to be really successful, it like it would be great to have other communities in it. Um, so I have some things, uh, I'm going to hopefully add some more name support that will sort of incentivize people to do that. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I tried, I downloaded Damas, did as best I could to, you know, use Nostra directory and do some other things. Got confused again. So I was like, if it takes me more than 15 minutes, I'm, I'll save it for another time. Uh, but I might try this out and see if we can get some of the stacks folks in there to, uh, have to play around with Nostra and get involved. Yeah. I wonder that one of the key things I have to add is the ability to search by, uh, BTC name. I've added that in my, in the fork of Iris that hasn't been announced yet, but like, that's one thing I wanted to put in Damus is my fork of Damus is called six T nine, like S I X T nine. It's an intentionally bad name because I'm trying to indicate that like I have no, no intention of like competing with Damus. Like I really hope that, um, I can like put this back as a pull request and it will accept it, but I don't, I mean, I don't even think he would even, I think he's probably blocked me on GitHub too. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like it's just a, it's a play in the number, but also T9 in Hong Kong is like a, a really strong typhoon. Um, so that's like, that's the joke. It's always good to weaponize the memes of production when you can. So, so well done on that, Larry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess last, last question, you mentioned something while we were off call about something you're working on. Um, we've, we've covered a lot. We'll have links to the show notes for all the, all the good stuff we talked about, but what's, what's the. What's the latest thing that you've been working on hacking at? Um, so I'm super interested in ordinals like everybody else, I think has been super interested in ordinals, um, just because I think it's brought the tinkers back to Bitcoin, which is the people that just want to like, Hey, like I want to try to build something cool, but I don't want to invest like three years in becoming a Bitcoin core developer to do it. So I'm super interested in that. And so this past weekend at a Bitcoin meetup here, I reconnected with a friend I hadn't seen since before COVID who's long, long time Bitcoiner. And so we spent the weekend hacking on a new sort of tool. And what the tool will do is it'll let you see inscriptions, um, when they're in the mempool. So you don't have to wait for them to confirm. You can just see all the new inscriptions as they're going into the mempool, sort of like streaming in and you'll be able to like, just like get an idea of what's going to confirm or not. I think that's going to be a fun, a fun tool to sort of explore, like what's going on with ordinals. Um, so that's what I'm working over the weekend. It's going to be available. Uh, I think the address is going to be live.ordylabs.org. Um, I'll send that to you to put in the show notes. Um, but I think it's a pretty good tool. And I'm also working on uh, some other ordinal stuff sort of behind the scenes. So stay tuned on that. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that'd be cool to see the, what's coming down the pipeline before it's uh, officially living forever on Bitcoin nodes around the world. So that's interesting. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, man, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for dropping all your knowledge. Uh, anything that I didn't cover that you want to close out with? Um, not, not that I can think of. I think we talked about a lot. Um, okay. Then maybe, so, yeah. uh, just, just give us, give us the, 
the usual spiel of links of where we can find you or New Internet Labs or anything you're working on. Yes, uh, you can find New Internet Labs at newinternetlabs.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Larry Salibra. That's L-A-R-R-Y-S-A-L-I-B-R-A. I'm Larry WDC. So eventually you'll be able to follow me on Noster by following Larry WDC. Not today, but very soon, hopefully. Awesome. Well, man, this has been great. Larry, thank you for uh, bringing your product-focused mind to crypto. We need more people like you doing that word. Uh, but yeah, th thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out, Jake. Great talking to you. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here. Yeah. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out.